hey, it's great to see you out this morning. And as Pastor Cole mentioned, uh, so thankful for uh, the great outreach events that we had last night. And it's one of our events that we have uh, during the year that's a bridge event uh, that helps us to interact with our community and helps them to interact with us. And we were able to connect with uh, many people. I think there were probably over 1,200 people there and uh, blessed them at our truck retreat. And so we want to thank again everybody who donated items, uh, some of you who worked really hard to have a car in the event, and others who just helped with so many various things at the event. And you did so well, and you represented the smile of Jesus to our community, and so we're so thankful for what you've done and all the things that take place. And heaven only knows what the benefit is of an event like that and how someone's life uh, can someday be changed and touched because of what takes place. Well, many of you probably know that this Tuesday is October 31st, which is the 500th anniversary of the date. Set you guys up, huh? 500th anniversary of the date on which a young Catholic monk named Martin Luther nailed a document called the 95 Theses on his own church door in Wittenberg, Germany, initiating what has become known as the Protestant Reformation. <clears throat> now, without getting too technical, uh, Baptists aren't Protestants because Baptist history shows that uh, we were never in the Catholic Church to begin with, so we had nothing to protest. But we certainly agree with the general results of the Protestant Reformation, the Big Five, uh, sola gratia, by grace alone, sola fide, by faith alone, sola scriptura, by scripture alone, sola Christus, by Christ alone, and uh, soli deo gloria, glory to God alone. If you'd like to know more about Martin Luther and the Reformation, there is a terrific new book out in honor of the 500th anniversary and it's by author Eric Metaxas. Uh, the title is Martin Luther, The Man Who Rediscovered God and Changed the World. And Eric's a great author, and I've read uh, many of his books before, and I, I've, a portion of the way through, I've been reading on this book for a while, and my, uh, my iPad says that I'm like 20-something percent through. And normally you read a book that long, you're done with it, but this thing is meaty. It's got some serious stuff in it. Uh, but I thought I'd mention that anniversary as we get started this morning. And I know that, that uh, many people here in this room did not grow up necessarily in, in this denomination. And it, maybe you grew up in a Protestant dom denomination. And, and so it could be that God used Martin Luther and Zwingli and Wycliffe and, and many of the people from the Reformation to begin the process of, of your faith walk. And I certainly want to celebrate that today uh, because God works uh, in so many different ways to bring us to himself. And I, I think that God specifically worked through the heart of Martin Luther in those years of his life, in his uh, early years as a monk, he began to rediscover the word of God. The word of God had basically been banned from the church. Nobody used the word of God anymore. And in fact, only priests were allowed to even look at the Word of God. And uh, many of them did not read it. And he began to read the Word of God 
And he got to the passage in Romans chapter 1 where it says that only the just shall live by faith. And he began to to talk to himself and to write journals and and to find out the implications of what does that mean. And he finally came to the understanding that it is not by works that we've done, but according to his mercy that he saves us. And it is by grace and faith alone that we come to Jesus Christ. And we don't need anybody to mediate that for us. And, and, and so I thought I'd mention this morning, most people uh, it, don't read history like they should. And in fact, uh, history has really taken a hit lately because people are uh, trying to change it and, and move it around to where it fits their agenda better. But you know, history is history. And uh, there have been some good people in history there have also been some very bad people in history. There have also been some very ugly people in history. We've had all three kinds, okay? Uh, and we can't remove those people from history uh, and make it the same that it, that it is. We need to know our history. And uh, most people do not have any idea of just how much the Reformation has shaped the world. It changed everything. It took Europe out of the Dark Ages, and it really expanded the hope of Western civilization and set the stage for what America would become. And, and so I hope that you'll uh, take a peek at that as we get into this week. Well, once again, welcome to another week of What on Earth Am I Here For? And we are looking at the five callings of your life, the five purposes uh, of life, the five reasons that God has created me and you, the five assignments that he has for us. Yeah, there are many different ways to say it. But we, want to, we want to begin this morning by reviewing what we've already covered. And so we looked first in our series at God's uh, first calling for us, which is this, you are called to be loved. God made you to love you. Now the second calling is that you're called to belong, to belong to his family, the body of Christ. Last Sunday, we looked at the third calling, you are called to become. God wants you to grow up, to mature, to become more like Jesus every day. And this week, we're going to look at the fourth calling on your life. We've provided notes for you if you'd like to follow along with us. And the fourth purpose of my life is to bless other people. That's the fourth purpose of my life. God has called me, and the purpose of my life is to bless other people. God shaped me to serve him, and I serve God by serving others. Now, I might be serving others physically by assisting them in some way, or maybe financially in meeting needs, or emotionally by supporting them, or, or relationally. There are really thousands of different ways that I can serve the people around me. I want to go this morning to the first chapter of the Bible, yeah, there's something in this but that maybe you've never seen before, even if you've read it hundreds of times. And yeah, it's really a, a striking truth that we get in Genesis chapter 1. And yeah, so let's begin there this morning. And I'll read just a little bit here, starting at verse number 26 in Genesis chapter 1. And yeah, this is uh, the sixth day of creation, and that God had determined to make man. And so look this now, Genesis chapter 1, and verse number 26. And God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, 
And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Now chapter 2, the beginning of chapter 2, is kind of a, a longer section about for what verse 27 just said, where Eve is created and they become husband and wife and those things. All right, now look at verse 28. And this, this is where uh, maybe you've missed this before. Look at verse 28. It says, and God blessed them. God blessed them. Now, I underline that word because that word just jumps out off the page. God blessed them. It's the first time it's ever said in all of human history. And God said unto them, here's how he blessed them. He said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. So this is how God blessed them. He blessed them by giving them a purpose. Now, can I tell you, this is so big. If you don't have a purpose given to you by God, you can't be blessed. And if you know what blessed means, it means happy. You can't be happy in life unless you've been given a purpose by God. And look what the rest of this is. God said, verse 29, Behold, I've given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat, and to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life. I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening of the morning were the sixth day. So God told Adam and Eve, I have blessed you. I have given you a purpose. Now, Adam and Eve, they didn't have any other people around to bless at the time. But notice that a blessing was a calling by God to do something. It was God showing them what would make them happy and what would fulfill their lives. And that's what God has for each of us. Their blessing was their service to God. It was the role that he had prepared for them to accomplish. And when you see God bless someone in Scripture, you know what you see God do? God gives them something to accomplish. That's how he blesses them, right? And when God blesses us, he does the exact same thing. Ephesians 2 says it this way, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now, we used that verse a couple weeks ago to explain God's intentions for each of us. Yeah, you are his masterpiece, his work of art. You are unique, and there's nobody like you in the world. And you were created in Christ Jesus as a believer to do good works. I preached a message last month. Uh, about the shape that God has given each of us. And we broke it down kind of as an acrostic. Uh, God has given each of us who are believers spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, and experiences. And God wired you to be you. And he shaped you to serve him. And that service is what your good works really are. It's called your ministry. It's called your blessing. 
It's the way that you help other people. You weren't made just to take up space and to breathe and to live a self-centered life and then die. God put you here to make a contribution with your life. Here's how we said it in your notes. Because of his love for me, God made me his masterpiece and invited me to be a part of his family. As his child, I am ordained to do good works. This is my blessing or service. And every single child of God has been called to bless. It's not just pastors, okay? Look, pastors are often called ministers. But scripture shows us that pastors are called to minister through administering. Uh, we're here to feed the body of Christ. We're here, here to build up uh, the, the ministers of God here in the local assembly. And every member of the body of Christ is called to be a minister. Every single one. I love Matthew 20, 28. One of my favorite verses. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve God by serving others. And he wants his children to do the same thing. Now, serving God by serving others is something that we talk about uh, around here at Centennial a lot. It's our vision statement. It's our theme. Uh, let me share with you our serve statement. Based, based on this premise, serving God by serving others, Here's our serve statement. I put it in your notes for you just to remind you what it is. S stands for strategic engagement with our community. Now that, that's one of the things God has called us to do. And that is our outreach. E stands for earnest and authentic worship. R stands for real connections in small groups. God has called us to fellowship with one another. V stands for visible faith development in our next steps. And uh, this is discipleship. God calls each of us to grow. And E stands for every member and minister. That's our ministry. And uh, so those are the five purposes that God has given us as a church. These are the basics of what we practice here at Centennial. Not because we came up with these on our own, but because we have found them in God's Word and we're determined to follow what God wants us to do. And so every member is a minister. Now, not every member is a pastor, okay? I'm a pastor, and my job is to administer the ministers. But every minister and every member uh, should give out God's grace. And uh, they should uh, just be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. In fact, your life calling is to be a bivocational minister of Jesus. Now, uh, when you're going to school, you probably learned this, but by, B-I, does anybody know what it means? What does B-I mean, by? It means two, right? It means two. You guys did good on that. Yeah, there's all sorts of words in the English language that start with B-I, uh, like bifocals, right? Now, how many of you use bifocals, and you'll be honest about it? Okay, my, my doctor says I'm getting close, and when I have to read something now, I have to take my glasses off and go like this. Uh, because my glasses are for seeing far away. In fact, I can barely see any of you right now. It's actually like I'm doing radio preaching right now. It's kind of where they put cardboard things out there. Uh, some of you might be laughing or smiling, but I can't really see you. So 
I, I didn't know, realize my eyes were this bad. Oh, my word. I kind of know who people are. I see men as trees, okay? I think that's a Bible quote. And I can see it again. But, uh, but bifocals are, are so you can see up close and far away at the same time. And you can see two things at the same time. Now, when you're a bivocational minister of Jesus, here's what it means. Uh, no matter what you do in life, you do it for two reasons, not one. Okay, you do it for two reasons, not one. So whether you're a, a truck driver or an attorney or a janitor or a hospice worker uh, or a prison guard or a teacher or a homemaker, dealmaker, stockbroker, accountant, farmer, it doesn't matter what you are. If you're a Christian, you do what you do for two reasons. You're bivocational. Here's your two reasons. Here's why we do what we do. To help others and to honor God. Okay, we're all made to be bivocational ministers. We have two jobs, to help other people and to honor God. And you could say it the other way around, to honor God and to help other people. And you know what that is? That is our theme statement of our church, serving God by serving others. We're here to honor God and help others. And everything I do in my life, if I'm a follower of Jesus, is bivocational. I have a job, but in that job, I do what I do to help others and honor God. Help others and honor God. Colossians 3.17 says it this way, And whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. So whatever you do, it can be a ministry. It can be a blessing if you honor God and help others. And whatever I do, I should do it in the name of Jesus. Uh, I could take out the garbage as a ministry. I could change a dirty diaper as a ministry. Okay, you know, I don't often do that. You know, there are many people who do that in our nursery, and we're so thankful for them uh, because they do such a terrific job. Uh, I could clean the living room as a ministry to my wife. Okay, I could make a deal. Uh, at, at work as, as a ministry to my boss or help somebody across the street as a ministry in my neighborhood. Everything in life can be a ministry if Jesus is your focus because then you can help others and honor God and you can be bivocational. Here's a great quote that I, I once heard. I love this quote. Menial tasks become meaningful tasks when I do them out of love for God. You catch that? Menial tasks become meaningful tasks when I do them out of love for God. So everything in your life can be truly significant if you do it out of love for the Lord. Let's say you're in a meeting at your office where you work. And all of a sudden the meeting's over and everybody gets up to walk out and they've left their coffee cups in their trash. And so you decide, you know what, I'm going to clean that up. It's not my job, but I'm going to clean that up to help people and honor God. Now listen, you've just done a ministry. And God will notice and God will reward you. Because God, he notices the little things. And little is much when he's in it. The calling to salvation and the calling to service are the same calling. See, when you became a believer... When you cross that line of faith 
You weren't just called to be saved. You were called to serve. Every member is a minister, and everybody has a ministry. And I want to share with you today the four incredible benefits that happen in your life when you begin to change your focus from self to service. When you change the focus from it's all about me to it's all about serving, these things will happen. And so here are the benefits of serving God by serving others. Here's the first one. Serving others unselfishly will create joy in my life. Serving others unselfishly will create joy in my life. Just like God shared with Adam and Eve, hey, I've made you very good, and I have a job that will make you happy. That's, everything was perfect, right? And nobody had ever sinned before. Things were perfect. And when God gave them this instruction, his blessing or his ministry of what they needed to do was going to fulfill them. It's going to bring them joy. And service will create enormous, massive amounts of joy in your life. I think we all know that most people are looking for happiness in all the wrong places. They're right? We see it all around us. And you don't find happiness in pleasure. That's, that's temporary. Uh, you, you don't find happiness in power or position or prestige. And you don't find happiness in possessions or popularity. Success doesn't bring satisfaction. That's all temporary. Permanent, ongoing joy comes through service. It comes by giving my life away. Now, God wired us to where giving your life away causes joy to flow through your heart. Uh, could I give you the two secrets of joy? Uh, if, if I could tell you there are two secrets of joy, you guys would want to know that, right? You want to know the two secrets of joy? God gives them to us here. Uh, here's the first one. Get the focus off yourself. This isn't in your notes. You can write it on the back or uh, type it in your phone, whatever. Get the focus off yourself. You know, the more you focus on you, the more miserable you're going to be. Right? Uh, the more you focus on you, and it's just going to make you unhappy. It's going to make you miserable. It is not by accident that the word miser and miserable come from the same root. Right? And they come from the same root. You have to shift your focus from inward, where it's all about me, to outward. Serving God by serving others. That, my friends, is a countercultural move because everything in our society says it's all about you. Right? Uh, they have psychiatrists and psychologists, mainly psychologists, who make millions of dollars uh, from advertising firms because they know well, what's going to attract the carnal human mind. Right? Have it your way. And they tell you, you're number one. Uh, you're the best. Look out for you. But Jesus, he says, when you begin to give your life away, the joy will flow into your heart. Now, Paul's a really good example of this. Uh, Philippians 2.17, Paul said this. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. 
Now look, it's, it's, uh, it's very true that the most helpful people are always the most happy people. If you want to be happy, you've got to be helpful. The more self-centered you are, the more unhappy you're going to be. Uh, Philippians 2 gives the mind of Christ and the model of who Jesus is. And here's what it says in verse 4. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Get an outward focus. Start serving. Find a place to volunteer to give your life away to others. And so the first secret of joy is get the focus off yourself. Here's the second one. Use your gifts to help others. When you use the gifts that God gave you to help other people, it feels good. And that's how you feel when you do what God wired you to do. And there's been a time in your life, the, the greatest times of your life uh, on a fulfillment basis have been when you're doing what God has wired you to do as a human being. We are blessed to be a blessing. Now, how do we bless others? Well, we do it by using our skills and our time and uh, the talents God's given us, the abilities, whatever we got. Here, here's the second benefit of serving God by serving others. So the first one is it's going to bring us joy. Here's the second benefit. Serving others unselfishly will improve my relationships. It'll improve my relationships. And boy, do we need this one. You know, your relationships will get better the more you learn how to serve. And that's something that you've got to practice. It takes practice to get better at this. The root of every single relational problem is self-centeredness. Now, there are other issues that come in, but selfishness is always the root. And I want what I want when I want it. And you want what you want when you want it. And neither of us are willing to budge and give in and change. And that's what causes conflict. Now, here's a verse to learn for relationships. Proverbs 13.10 Only by pride cometh contention. Only. Only by pride cometh contention. And that means that somebody didn't get what they wanted. And so we have conflict. You say, well, what I wanted was what something I deserved or something that was rightfully mine. <laughs> That's very true. But only by pride comes contention. And somebody didn't get what somebody wanted. In other words, when you have an ego problem, there's going to be conflict. You're not being a servant. You're being selfish. But the more you practice, the more you learn to get yourself out of the way and serve. And that is guaranteed to change your relationships. This is a lifelong school of learning on how to be unselfish. And unfortunately, some people never learn it. They go through all of life living for themselves. God loves you and he wants you to learn to be like him. And God is totally unselfish. If you want to learn to be unselfish, just copy Jesus. And we, might, we mentioned Matthew 20, 28, that Jesus didn't come to be minister to, but to minister. And when you take on the attitude of Jesus, you begin to live your life for the benefit of others, to help others, and to honor God. And so becoming Jesus is the goal. 
but the byproduct is that you're more loved and respected and popular. Now, if you want to have more friends, learn to be a servant. If you want people to respect you, learn to be a servant. Okay? Don't try to be interesting. Be interested in others. There's, there's an old story. Yeah, there was a woman in England. This is years and years ago. John Maxwell tells this story. And he says this woman had this high honor uh, of two nights in a row. She got to go uh, to uh, dinner, a dinner party, with two prime ministers of England. Two nights in a row. And I don't even remember who the prime ministers were. But the first night, uh, she went to the dinner party, and she came out of the, the dinner party, and she wrote down in her diary, Tonight, I met the smartest man in the world. And it, because uh, this guy, I think it was Disraeli, first night, and all he did is talk about how smart he was and what his plans were and his, what his ideas were. And the next night, she went to dinner, and she came home, and she wrote it in her diary, Tonight, I feel like the smartest woman in the world. Because the second night, the prime minister was interested in her. And he asked her her ideas and what her thoughts were and what she thought about certain things in the country. And listen to me. When you're interested in other people, you're serving them. When you're around other people and the only thing you can talk about is yourself, can I tell you, they're not going to be interested long? Okay, because you're not serving. And when we serve other people, we learn more about who they are. And if you want to have influence in people's lives, be a listener. Learn to listen to other people. I was reading in Forbes magazine this week, uh, this woman who's very successful in New York, and she says, uh, the only reason why I'm successful, I, I years ago... Uh, based my life on one idea. Now, this would be such a tough thing for me because I'm kind of an introvert. Uh, but her one idea, this is her goal for life, is to meet one person every day. Meet one new person every day. That's her entire motto for her organization. And she's done it for years and years. And she has all these people that she's met. And she doesn't just try to meet them and say, hey, how are you? No, she actually meets them. Like, she finds out uh, this is Jack, and uh, I, she meets him for the first time. The first day she finds out, this is Jack, and uh, Jack has recently, within the last couple of years, lost his wife, and her name was Liz, and uh, they, you know, have kids and grandkids, and uh, his uh, kids, Monty, and uh, his wife, Stacy, bring him to church. She knows all this the first time she ever meets them. Now, how many of you are like me? It takes you like six years to find that out much of. Right? Like the first time you meet somebody else, you could spill out who you are, but she meets and, and she gets their email and she gets their phone and she doesn't do it to gain any leverage from them. She just wants to know who people are. And the interviewer, he asked her this question. You could tell it's somebody who didn't get the servant model. The interview said, interviewer said to her, have you ever been disappointed in some of the people you've met? Like didn't turn out to be anything for you? And she said, I've never been disappointed. Isn't that amazing? I've never been disappointed by the other people I've met. And that's her motto in life. Meet one new person every day. And she says some of the people she met, she said over 90% of the people she's met, they still keep in contact with her by email, by text, by Facebook, whatever it is. And she met them on a subway 
or she met him on a sidewalk, or she met him in a coffee shop. Now, that's pretty amazing, right? How many of you introverted people like me are really squirming right now? You're like, whoa, uh, I don't know if I could do this. But I'm going to try one a year, okay? <laughs> try to meet one new person a year. But, you know, friendship and relationships are all about being servants. And, and, and seriously, be interested in others, and they'll think you're amazing. Now, why is that? Because most people are only interested in themselves. Here's what Paul told the church at Rome. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. You know, the more I bless other people, the more God blesses me. The more I minister to others, the more God ministers to me. When I plant a seed, I don't get back a seed. I get back a whole tree of seeds. Helping others will produce much more than you can ever imagine. You know, when people tell me, well, I'd really like to be involved in service, but I'm just too busy. I don't have time to really be involved in volunteering anywhere. I'm just too busy. You know, it's so sad because what you're doing is forfeiting God's blessings. If you don't give yourself away, you can't receive all the wonderful blessings that he wants for you. Here's Proverbs 22, verse 9. He that hath a bountiful eye shall be blessed. If you don't have any place in your life right now where you are giving time, resources, and effort to people who can give nothing back to you, let me tell you this. You can't ever be what God wants you to be. You've got to have a time and a place in your life set aside where you can give away your life, your time, your effort, and your resources. There's always a cost involved. But you know, it's such a benefit. And let's talk about this third benefit now. So serving others unselfishly, it's got to help my relationships. It's got to give me joy. Here's the third one, though. Serving others unselfishly will make my life meaningful. It's going to make my life meaningful. Now, incredibly, this, this is a surprise to most people. Meaning doesn't come from getting everything you want. Right? It, it doesn't come from money. Meaning comes from ministry. Jesus told his disciples and all his future disciples, I think this is in Mark, he said, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. And a true life comes from giving your life away. Abundant life comes from giving your life away. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 reminds us to be steadfast in serving the Lord. And there's a quote at the end of the verse that I love. It says this, Your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Isn't that great? Your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Everything you do for Christ has a purpose. And it may seem insignificant, and maybe no one else seems to know about it, but it's important. If you give a cup of cold water in Jesus' name, you get rewarded for that for eternity. Right? As Jesus said that. If you give a cup of cold water in my name, I'm going to remember that forever. Now, 
what do you remember forever? That is, there are things that we forget within days, right? If I had to ask you, what did you eat for lunch last Monday? Right? How many people are in? Right? You know what you ate because you eat the same thing every Monday, right? <laughs> or because your wife does a menu plan. That's the only reason why I would know. Yeah, I, Cole cracked me up this week. He was talking about uh, somebody had posted a picture on Facebook uh, from like seven years ago, a seven-year-ago memory. And he says, I don't even remember being in that place. And he's in the picture, stacking teacups or coffee cups or something. He says, I don't even remember being there. And so obviously he didn't give a cup of cold water in Jesus' name, did he? Because he'd remember it forever. <clears throat> no, it's, listen, it's God who remembers it forever, even when we don't. Right? There are things that you did in your 20s to serve God. You don't even remember the person's name, and you may not remember the incident. But Jesus does. And he's going to remember it forever. If you want abundant life, live an unselfish life. If you want a miserable life, hold on to your time. Hold on to your effort. And grab and hold on to all the resources that God allows to pass through your hands. And I'm telling you, you'll be miserable. You will be, of all men, most miserable. But if you want this abundant life and you want your relationships to blossom and you want something that's going to fulfill you, then this is the ticket right here. And so God wants you to bless. He has called you to bless. Here's the last benefit I'll share with you today. Serving others unselfishly will leave a legacy. Serving un others unselfishly will leave a legacy. If you serve God, you're going to leave a mark. Actually, you're going to leave two marks. One on earth and one in eternity. Now, the one on earth isn't going to last very long. Okay? After a few generations, everybody forgets about you. It's just true, and I'm sorry it's true, but it is true. All right, the only reason why we know some people's names is because books were written about them after they died. You wait long enough and all your trophies are going to be trashed. All the things that are cool right now in a couple of generations, nobody's even going to care. All right, some of you, you could pull out a, uh, a, a suit that you wore from your closet right now. You wore it in 1964 and you would be cool again. Uh, you would be hip because it's come back around and now it's some type of grunge thing. But you Listen, you could get your name on a building and nobody's even going to ask who was that person. Right? That's how life goes. And I'm going to give you a for instance and a, let's, let's blow our minds, alright? Everybody tell me <clears throat> the first name of your, uh, your grandfather on your mother's side, okay? On the count of three. One, two, three, go. Okay? Everybody tell me the first name of your great-grandfather on your mother's side. Ready? One, two, three, go. Everybody tell me the name of your great-great-grandfather on your mother's side. Ready? Go. Okay? Everybody tell me the name of your great-great-great-grandfather on your mother's side. Ready? Go. What you, wait, what just happened? Can I tell you this? You don't even know who your own family is up to three generations. 
The only reason why we know who some of the people are in the Bible is because somebody wrote down the genealogy, right? Huz and Buzz are in there. I think it's in Genesis 22. Huz and Buzz. Yeah, there's all sorts of weird names in the Bible genealogies. Sometimes you just read through like, whoa, that's crazy. What's that name in there? We don't even know who people are around us within a few generations, right? Sometimes uh, kids grow up. It's so funny. Autumn's doing a, a research paper right now for English class, and uh, I guess her, her teacher helped her pick the topic, and her topic is Julie Andrews, okay? Yeah, so it's kind of a neat topic. And uh, Autumn, I said, well, who's Julie Andrews? And she said, Dad, it's the voice from Despicable Me. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I said, well, anything else? She was in the Princess Diaries. I'm like, oh, okay. And I said, well, is, that, is she the same lady from, like, The Sound of Music? And she said, she was in The Sound of Music? <laughs> right? And I said, yeah, she was Mary Poppins. She was Mary Poppins? Yeah, it's the same person, right? Because what happens uh, when we begin life, our perspective is different. And we meet people who were something. They were all that in a bag of chips, and now they're 90 years old, and their name comes up in the paper that they've passed on, and the people who are under 30 say, who was that? If you want to leave a legacy, this is the ticket. Live an unselfish life. Because God will make your legacy come intact through his process here. When you begin to serve, it gives you a reputation. And Proverbs calls it a good name. It says in Proverbs 24, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. And, and uh, it's your reputation. Now here's Proverbs uh, 10, verse number 7. This is a great verse. It says, the memory of the just is blessed. So there's that word again. But the name of the wicked shall rot. The memory of the just is blessed, but the name of the wicked shall rot. Now let me ask you a question this morning. I hope you'll internalize this and go write it now into your heart. What are you going to be remembered for? What do you want to be known for? The truth in this life is that everybody wants his life to count. Deep down inside, everyone wants their life to have meaning and significance. People want to do something great. That's a natural desire. And yet Jesus said this, if you want to be great, be the servant of everyone. The more you serve, the more significance you'll have. That's not how the culture sees it. You go on Amazon and look for books on leadership, and there are hundreds, hundreds of books on leadership. Look for books on being a servant. There's only a handful. We've got our values upside down. The way you become great <clears throat> is by giving your life away. Here's a promise from Jesus. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve 
me, him will my father honor. And God will honor anyone who serves him. You know, that honor is more important than winning the Nobel Prize. That honor is more important than a congressional medal. And here's what's so cool. Any of God's children can win that prize by serving. Any of us. If you want to leave a legacy, you need to start serving unselfishly. The greatest use of your life is to invest in something that outlasts it. Now, you basically have three choices of what to do with your life. You can spend your life, okay? Or you can waste your life, or you can invest your life. Those are basically your three options. And there are only two things that are going to last, okay? The Word of God, because we know that's going to last forever, and people. And if you build your life on those two things, then what you do is going to leave a legacy. And so how can you minister with your family? And how do you teach your kids to be unselfish? There's only one way. Model it. You have to look for a ministry to do with your kids. You have to look for a way to help people that can't repay you. And to give away your time and effort and resources to people who can return nothing to you. And do it with your kids. And maybe you're wondering how you can get into ministry. You have the desire and not just the information. You just don't have the information. And starting next Sunday morning, I'm going to be teaching in the 930 session, uh, class 301, Discovering Church Ministry. It's a four-session class. So it'll go through the month of November, just for that one hour. And it includes doing a personal profile on how God has shaped you for ministry based upon your spiritual gifts, uh, your heart, your abilities, your personality, your experience. Because God has called each of us to, to bless. He's called each of us to bless. You know, <clears throat> we get so wrapped up in our life habits, in the things that are familiar to us, in the things that are comfortable to us. And we use so much of our lives on things that don't matter. That's so much. It's incredible how much we use on things that don't matter, on things that don't last. It's, it just blows me away. And, and to try to keep it in perspective. You start to think about, okay, well, I'm this old, and I don't know how much longer God has for me, but if God gives me a full life, I'd still only have this much left. And boy, you think about Start thinking about those things. I try to put it in perspective. I'll tell you this. No matter how old you are, no matter what age or stage of life you're in, you can still leave a legacy if you live an unselfish life. If you learn to serve. Now, you say, well, pastor, you just want people to give more money. No, no, I want you to give time. I want you to give some effort. And if God allows you to be a channel of resources, then praise God for that. But living an unselfish life doesn't just have to do with money. It has to do with valuing new things. Right? There's a lot of people in the United States this fall that have taken the value that they placed in the National Football League and they've dropped it a few notches. 
And I've seen as I've read paper and read some things on the, on the line where people say, you know what? I don't even miss it. I take a walk with my family now on a Sunday afternoon. Or I take a nap now on a Sunday afternoon. I always have done that, by the way. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, people who have invested the, so many thousands of hours in a game have now said, because they're doing such and such, I'm now dropping my value system on them, and I'm going to do some other things. Listen to me. What if we did that with all the components of our life? What if we took all the things that take big chunks of our life and we say, is that really going to leave a legacy? Is that really important? And and so there's something for all of us to process with this message. But I'll tell you this. God has called you to bless. It's one of the important callings of your life. And we only have one left. And so I want you to come back for that one next Sunday. Let's bow together.